Welcome to the We Go There podcast. I'm Lexi. And I'm Nikki. And our favorite conversations are when someone starts by saying, this might be TMI, but... Exactly. We go there. Because no topic should be too taboo, especially when it comes to women's health. We ask the questions you may be too afraid to ask and interview the experts to get the answers you need. So we're doing this completely unfiltered. 100%. Okay, let's go there. All right, so today we have an amazing episode planned. Kayla and Melissa are both social workers at St. Mike's Hospital here in Toronto. They're also both pregnant in their third trimester with their first babies, and they happen to be students in my push prep class. So we've already done a little chat on Zoom, um, and we did like a PowerPoint to kind of go over a lot of resources for pregnant and postpartum women going through, you know, perinatal mental health stuff. But we had we had to have them back here for this podcast because they have so much amazing stuff to say on this topic that doesn't really get enough airtime. So thank you both so much for coming back and sharing your precious time. And uh, we're just excited to talk about it and hope that this episode can be a resource for people. Yeah, thank, thank you, you for having, having us. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. So Nikki, knowing these two quite well, where do you think we should start first? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> all right. So first of all, let's just get a little context. So you you both work with the hospital, but some one of you works in more like parents who have children in the NICU and you're more in the hospital and one of you does more outpatient. Is that correct? Yes. So I'll have Kayla start. So this way it's kind of like the flow of how we see people because okay. um, usually patients um, see Kayla first and then kind of make their way over to me in the hospital. Okay. Yeah, so I work in the prenatal like outpatient clinic with mostly obstetricians. So when you come for your appointment and if you you know disclose any mental health, they might refer you to me. Um, so Melissa and I are sort of part of a team of social workers working in the women's health department. I sort of my spiel to the people that I, I see every day is that Melissa and I are actually the same person. We're very aligned in our therapeutic practices with people and we just happen to be in different places at the same time. Um, in, in my role, sort of the more I support patients prenatally, the easier they have a transition to labor and delivery and the postpartum unit on um, St. Michael's Hospital. Part of that is, you know, my referrals could be for anything, for mental health challenges, addictions, housing supports, uh, infertility challenges. We just, we're seeing a lot of adoptions and surrogacy planning, grief and bereavement, and so I sort of um, do one-on-one -on -one counseling prenatally, postpartum, and then help create, you know, really good birth intentions, help discuss what they can expect on the labor and delivery floor. And so anyone that I work with typically sees Melissa inpatient as well. Yeah. So, so let's, before we move on, because hmm. I want to like, oh my God, there's so many things I want to ask you about yes. what you do, Kayla, <laughs> if that's okay. Um, so, so you, you're doing one-on-one -on -one and, and you said a couple of interesting things there, like ways that you can help people prepare for what to expect in labor and delivery. And so a lot of pregnant women are going to be listening to this. So what are your thoughts on how women can better prepare for things to come when it comes? And it's interesting me asking you this because you're pregnant yourself. I love it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, a big part of it, I think is is doing a full assessment of someone. So what are your supports? Who is your support network? 
And then I can work to plug in if I think you're missing any support. So, you know, I talk about what, what you hope for a birth experience. Um, what would make you feel safer? So I know sometimes hospitals can be really overwhelming and scary and we've had some limitations with COVID, but, you know, trying to do workarounds. So we used to offer in-person prenatal tours that stopped because of COVID, but I still think it's really valuable for someone to feel more comfortable delivering their baby with us. So can I work with, connect them to Melissa who can, you know, do a zoom with them and take them around, show them what the NICU might look like. You know, some, some of the people I work with know that their babies are likely to have a NICU admission. So talking them through that, like the whole point of me is to help them decrease any anxieties going into delivering at a hospital. I love that. And what are the links? And I don't know if there's stats on this, but linking the feeling of being more prepared during, you know, going into your labor and delivery, is there a link at all then to reducing postpartum depression or are they completely? I think there is a link. Um, And I kind of suggest things based on the type of person that they are. And Melissa and I were actually talking about this earlier this morning that me and my partner are very much information seekers. So the more I read, the more I know, the more, the better I feel, the more prepared I feel. For Melissa, she identified feeling the opposite. She wants to know a little bit, but doesn't want to know it all. So based on, you know, the people I work with, if they say that to me, I can recommend books. I can recommend, you know, Instagrams to follow. I can recommend if you want to see it all, you know, your baby might not have a NICU stay, but if you feel better seeing the NICU, let's do it. Let's really support you in any way that we can. Are you nervous seeing doctors? You know, white coat anxiety is real. Can I be in the room with you when you talk to your doctor? Can I, you know, guide that conversation, make sure you get your concerns addressed. All of that is something that I'm there for. Yeah. Right. And, and I think too, you know, even like Kayla saying different needs, it's so hard to know for sure. You know, is there, I don't, I'm not aware of any statistics that say, you know, the more you're prepared, the less likely you are for like postpartum depression or anxiety or a perinatal mood disorder. But I think, you know, as social workers, we kind of have to think sometimes of worst case scenarios. And I am a true believer that when we are feeling anxious about something, if we have a plan in place for that, we feel more prepared. And anxiety is rooted in, you know, the fear of the unknown and the avoidance. And I think like Kayla said, um, you know, my partner and I are so different where, you know, information has been helpful for me, but I'm also already exposed to so much at work working on a labor and delivery unit that I'm like, I don't need any more information. I've seen it. I know about it. I'm good. Um, where my partner is very much like, I don't need to know about it because the more information will make him feel more anxious. And for him, it was really interesting. Uh, we did like an infant CPR class. And after he's like, this was good information. I hope I never have to use it. But for him, it was, I want to do like a baby prep class. And that's something I don't have anxiety about. So I was like, oh, we'll just learn. My mom will teach me. And for him, he's like, no, look, I need to know. How do you feed? How do you change a diaper? How do you bathe a baby? And I was like, oh, I didn't consider that for you. And I think sometimes, you know, with postpartum depression and anxiety, we are very like focused, of course, on the women and all of those things, but our partner's mental health also impacts our mental health. And I think there's such a connection and correlation between the two and ensuring that, and I think Kayla does an amazing job at this in her role, you know, not only considering just our patients, like the women who are delivering with us, but also, you know, what do their partners need in that moment as well. And I think that's been a really interesting experience for Kayla and I, um, 
going through our pregnancies because I was was like, no, it's what I need. It's what I want. But I was like, no, if I have an anxious partner, then I feel anxious and it doesn't work that way. Yeah, we did. We did that prep course, like the baby, just what happens when you bring the baby home. Yeah, it's actually very helpful. And it was hilarious. Adam went to change the baby and he turned the baby onto its stomach. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> baby like the baby they bring like you know one oh, of the, the, the fake baby not the real baby Sorry, okay the fake baby. Sorry, <laughs> everyone. I thought you meant the real one I was like they tried this was a fake baby pre <laughs> 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 was not Piper um but yeah and you know just like he he was one of those guys that like would never hold another person's baby like even yeah. when they were so small and I think yeah. a lot of men are like that so that's interesting um yeah so Okay. So that's kind of like the pre-preparation and then post. So I don't know, like, how do we, should we go there next, Nikki? Like then. Yeah. I was, I was going to say, why don't we talk a little bit and we talked a little bit about this in our zoom for the class, but let's talk a bit about the difference between baby blues and more, you know, baby, you know, postpartum depression and anxiety. So we all know baby blues, super common. You, I'm sure you'll share stats on that, but anyone listening to this being (laughs) like, you know, at what point should someone decide they need to get help? Yeah. So I think so baby blues are so common. And I think we have, Kayla and I both have this conversation so much with the women that we interact with, uh, because sometimes there's this idea that, you know, we go home with baby, we have baby and we do have changes in our mood. Our hormones are all over the place. You're adjusting to this wild new role. And instantly people think I'm going to feel like this forever. And I have anxiety now. I have postpartum depression. I have postpartum anxiety. Um, But it's important to recognize that baby blues happens to, they say around 80% of new mothers experience baby blues. So it's very, very common. And typically lasts, I would say between like two, maybe three-ish weeks following the birth of baby. Um, And it is very much linked to the transition period. So a lot of the baby blues, yes, there's the hormone changes, but also is related to the transition of, you know, you're now responsible for this living, breathing thing, which can be terrifying. With less sleep as well. Yeah, exactly. Like now you're really off your game. Um, And so we see this where, you know, we have the increase in anxiety, you know, you're constantly checking baby, you're worrying, you know, you might have some low mood, might not want to be around people or might start feeling really codependent on people, which might be a really new feeling, right? I think of myself who's, I like, I like to say I'm independent, um, but I know following, you know, the birth of my baby, I'm most likely going to need help. And for a lot of people, they struggle with that because they're not used to accepting or having that help. And I think baby blues are, you know, they're manageable. They resolve on their own. They um, are again, very common, very kind of quote unquote typical, when it becomes concerning is when it starts to become unmanageable. It's when, you know, we start to see an increase in these symptoms. So they're not decreasing. You're starting to see an increase of these symptoms. You're starting to feel overwhelming. Your func- like your functions are being impaired. Uh, and again, maybe your partner's commenting on the change in you too. Yeah. Right. People are starting to notice that. And I think what's important to mention here. So again, baby blues is about 80% of women postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety is about one in four, one in five women. So still very common, um, but it can feel a lot more intense. You know, you might start experiencing intrusive thoughts, um, an increase in the anxiety you're already feeling. Maybe it's the low mood. And I kind of tell people, you know, there's kind of a spectrum I find. 
you're either super, super like sad, low mood, disengaged, isolated. You don't want to be around baby. You don't want to be around anybody. Maybe you're having thoughts of like, this baby isn't mine. This doesn't feel like my baby. Or the super anxious side where you're waking up every two seconds to check, making sure baby's breathing. You won't let anybody near baby. You won't let anybody hold baby. Um, You can't be away for a baby for like longer than five minutes where again, now it's starting to impact your day-to-day function. And that's when we start to feel concerned. And I think it's important to remember that if you start feeling that, you know, within the first week or two after birth, make sure you're starting to be proactive and accessing help. You don't need to wait out those two weeks and be like, well, maybe this will pass. Maybe this will pass when symptoms are that intense and that um, like impacting your life that much, then that's something where I say, you know, you, you need to, you know, access help or access support sooner than kind of waiting out the two weeks and seeing what happens. Because even when I, when I see moms who are having baby blues and, you know, I'm skilled and Melissa's skilled in, and your healthcare providers are typically skilled in assessing and, de- and determining whether this looks like it might resolve on its own. And it's some baby blues, low mood versus when it's something, you know, bigger going on. But for a new mom, it's scary either way. And you don't know. So, and I think sometimes the moms that I work with who are developing postpartum depression are downplaying it. They're telling themselves, this is just because I'm so tired. This is just because this is new. And it, and it is, but, you know, I think it's better to reach out. And, and worst case scenario, someone says, yeah, it sounds like you're having some baby blues. Let's work through it. Chances are, if you get that support early, you'll feel better faster and you can go on to like loving the postpartum experience rather than having a terrible experience for the six to 12 weeks after baby comes. Yeah. And I know you shared, I'm sure that this is some of the resources that you shared then Nikki, when you guys did your um, PowerPoint chat, but um, what are some of the, like, so what, what's the next step? So if someone is feeling that way and recommending, I think it's great advice, getting early advice on how you're feeling and talking to someone. So who's that someone, where do you go? Yeah. So I think part of that, I mean, we can't speak to where you're delivering and what supports you have, but start with your healthcare provider, whether you did a family medicine obstetrician, an obstetrician, a midwife, delivered at a birth center, a hospital, even, you know, and this is some of the stuff we talk about in pregnancy, ask in pregnancy, who can I turn to if I do have baby blues or really low mood? Ask your healthcare providers. Do they have social work? Do they have counselors they recommend? You know, are there agencies around you that you can turn to who have free resources, free, there's always research in mental health and pregnancy going on. There's one in Toronto right now where you get, you know, eight one hour counseling sessions, that's free. So a lot of places they, it might be research, but it is also counseling and support. So having that plan in place before you deliver is really important because at two weeks, if you find you're crying over everything, you're picking fights, you're more irritable, you can't stop checking on your baby. If you have a plan, you're going to feel a lot better. If the people around you, your partner, your parents, your siblings, whoever you've built built your village to be, know your plan, you're going to feel a lot better. They'll know, you know, you can have conversations. When I'm not doing well, this is what it looks like for me. When you recognize that, how can you bring it up to me? What's helpful for you to, you know, say it to me and, and how can we make a plan from there so that it doesn't come out of nowhere if someone says, you're really picking a fight with me today. Is everything okay? 
hopefully that doesn't increase the irritability. Hopefully, you know, you had this conversation in pregnancy and you can think, wow, this is, this is that person telling me maybe I need a little bit more support. And then we know where to go. Yeah. And those conversations are hard, right? Like I'm having like my partner and I got into, I don't even call it, I don't even know what we were arguing about because I was just feeling really anxious about something because my anxiety and my pregnancy has gone up, especially in the second trimester. It kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was like, what is this? What is happening? And I picked a fight up with him about, I don't even know what, to be honest, because that's how irrelevant it was. And the next day we were home and I was like, I'm still feeling very sad. And he's like, okay, what are we feeling sad about today? And I was like, I feel like things weren't resolved and we need to get better at communicating because like when I'm feeling anxious and like what I need in those moments, because I'm really worried about the postpartum stage for myself. And I'm worried my anxiety is going to go up. And if, you know, it's, it's an uncomfortable conversation to have with the supports in your life. But I think it's really making sure that you have people you can go to who are supportive and receptive to those conversations, right? I'm very fortunate. I have a partner who's willing to sit there and be like, okay, what's helpful for you? How do we communicate better? Um, you know, especially for him, if he's feeling nervous, how do I communicate with him and vice versa? Uh, but also being aware of, you know, maybe who aren't great people to go to and recognizing that, you know, your best friend might not be the person who's the best support for you or, your mom or your dad or your sibling, whoever it may be. And I think, you know, during that pregnancy period, recognizing, you know, who are those supports. So when you are experiencing postpartum depression, when you are experiencing an increase in anxiety, you like, who do I go to? You know, okay, I know this person understands or will be at least empathetic to my situation and not feeling that you can go to someone and they're just going to brush you off. Because I think, you know, perinatal mental health is so it's, it's so important and it's so common, but there's still so much shame. And everybody ask you about that next, yeah. like with the stigma, do you find that there is a stigma around? Absolutely. Like, and because it's like, and I would presume and correct me if I'm wrong, people are sort of like, well, your baby's healthy. Like, why are you complaining? Yes. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And, and I feel like there's this idea that women, we do it all and we take it all on and you're supposed to, you know, this messaging is that you're supposed to love being pregnant and being a new mom. And so if you're struggling, it's kind of, that makes it twofold, right? I'm afraid to reach out for help because you are going to think that I can't manage and I'm not a good mom. Mm-hmm. And you're less likely to check on me because you're, you're thinking, wow, look at this super mom. She seems like she's doing it all. She's got it all together. Right. Yeah. So I think that, that that's the stigma around it a lot. Yeah. And I think that there's like this weird idea that after postpartum is six weeks, your postpartum stage is six weeks. And after that, everything should be fine or normal, whatever that means when you have a new baby. I thought we like, get another I, trimester or something. Nikki, who told us that? Oh, I just laugh at this so <laughs> oh, much. Oh, like the Don't fourth trimester, right? And, and it is yeah, like you a see whole your, trimester. You see yeah. your care provider for 40 weeks, right? And at the end, you're seeing them every week. Then you but a lot of care providers like midwives go into your home in the first few days, OBs you don't see for six weeks. And then, Oh, everything looks good. Check. You can, you know, go back to exercise. You can go have back sex. to having, have sex. Yeah. You can, you're Take great some birth control. You're good to go. Peace. Out. Yes. Yeah, no, right? all, like you're very fertile, but go have sex. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. But, and then there's all that pressure and there's that shame of I'm not feeling better after the six weeks, but I'm supposed to be. So now am I a bad mom? Am I not a good partner? Am I not a good, you know, sibling? Am I not a good daughter? Like, am I not good at what I'm doing? Because I'm not better 
after my six weeks. So that's they, a big one, eh? Like, do yeah. you hear that from people? Like, they, like I'm curious the to know, like, what people are bringing up to you in yeah. postpartum where they're feeling, you know, anxiety. And so I'm hearing, like, that's a big one. They feel like they, quote unquote, should be further along in their recovery, but they're yeah. not. Yeah. Yeah. And I think part of that is normalizing, like, like you were saying, Lexi, we should get another trimester, which isn't six weeks, right? You, our trimesters are like 13, 14 weeks, depending what you use. And six weeks is nothing. Like your body just went through this um, amazing transformation. You've given birth, you're now in recovery and you're sleep deprived and you're trying to figure out like, yes, you might've taken all the baby care classes and all of this, but your baby is your baby. And they might be different from your first baby. They might be different from your sister's baby. You're trying to manage all of that. And at, and if you're not feeling like you're doing it well, and everyone around you is like, your baby's so healthy and happy, and this is such an amazing time, and you're not loving it, you're going to feel terrible. And I hear that every single day. Yeah. And I think too, you know, Kayla and I, we run um, a support group for like St. Michael's patients here. And we have moms who are joining our postpartum support group who are past that six week phase. And I would say majority of our participants are past the six week phase. Oh, some of them are nine months postpartum. And it is that theme around, you know, I'm feeling exhausted. I'm feeling burnt out. I'm questioning whether, you know, I'm doing a good job. Um, there's a, you know, there's always, you know, I don't know how to ask for help or people want to help, but they, they just want to come and play with the baby and that's not helpful for me. Right. And, and I think, you know, Kayla and I hear it all the time. Oh, you wait till the baby comes. You're not going to matter anymore. And I'm like, what does that mean? Like, I still want to matter. I still want value on my, my life and who I am and my role as a mother. And I think, you know, that impacts women so much after, because, people aren't checking in, you know, people aren't asking moms, how are you doing? And not just, you know, generally like, oh, I'm okay. But you know, what do you need help with? Can I come over and cook you a meal? And that shouldn't stop after the six weeks. You know, I I think it really does take a village. And so many of our moms past that six week point, I think that's where they start to kind of freak out a little bit and understandably so because they're like, okay, I'm not, I'm not quote unquote better yet. And it's because they're still feeling all these things. They're still trying to navigate motherhood. Babies are always changing. You know, you get into a sleep regression, then you're starting to give baby solids and that's terrifying, right? And then there's all this anxiety around, is my baby going to choke? And what do I feed them? Are they gaining enough weight? That doesn't stop after the six weeks. So I think, you know, it's so hard for women to navigate that because there's no, like there's no conversations around it. And I think for like Kayla and I, it's so frustrating in our role and trying to be advocates for women's health and perinatal health. And, you know, we're fortunate we work with such an incredible team here that we're able to have these supports and plates for our, our patients and have the support of our teams to do this. Um, but though these conversations are being missed and these women are not being provided the help that they need. Because I think, again, it's this idea of six weeks and you're fine, but that's not the case. Yeah, it takes 40 to, you know, get to full term and yet you only get six. Yeah. And then I think of people who don't have maternity leave, like we're fortunate we have maternity leave here, right? 
and lots of places oh, don't. Lexi and, and I didn't. <laughs> when you're self-employed, yeah. you don't. But anyway, yeah, no, exactly. That's true. <laughs> sounds like every pregnancy is different. It's like I'm about I'm going to have twins in August, so that's going to be real different. Yes, <laughs> kids oh, under four. Four kids <laughs> under four. So we'll see. We'll probably have to. Yeah, I'll be reaching out. Uh, hopefully, yeah. the babies will <laughs> yeah, be too. So you know, you can join us. We're going to have this unofficial little support group. All the summer babies, you can join us. We'll go for walks and we'll cry together. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, sorry to disturb you on your mat leave, but I yeah. <laughs> but I think that's what it is. Or when you have people, you can go. Like I'm very fortunate. I tell Kayla all the time. As much as people don't believe us, we did not plan it this way. Uh, but I don't know what I would would do if I didn't have somebody who was going through it with me. I don't know what I would do if I didn't have somebody I can text and be like, "Are you feeling this? Are you? Do you get nervous about baby? Like, do you have this anxiety?" And someone like, "Yeah, yeah, so do I." And it's like, okay, that feels better, right? And that's where that community and that village is so important. And I think you know, COVID has impacted that so much because we're all so isolated now, right? Definitely, definitely. One thing I will say is I think, sorry, and I want you to ask your question next, Lex, but I just, I just want to comment because like, I do think that like we have an expanding capacity. So like, I remember being with my first, there was this mommy group and I was always 45 minutes late. Always. I could not get my shit together to get there on time. And I would show up and feel so much like inadequacy mm-hmm. that like everyone's sitting in the circle and like talking and sharing. I would like do the Kramer entrance, like looking completely disheveled, <laughs> like my kid. And I was exclusively pumping. So I had to like time the pumping to get out because I could, she was latching, whatever. Yeah. And then they, then they'd poop their diaper. Oh my as God. You're an explosion. Every single time. And yeah. everyone is just like sitting there and I'm like, why is that they make it look so easy? Yeah. And I remember then being like, well, is this your first? I'm like, yeah. They're like, well, what are you? I'm like, I'm, I'm four weeks postpartum. And they were like, well, that's why you can't get your shit together. It gets easier girl. And that made me feel a lot better. Yeah, (laughs) no, absolutely. I think we forget. I was speaking to a family yesterday in our intense, like our neonatal intensive care unit. And I just kept reminding them, like, this feeling is temporary, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this anxiety. You say this that every day, too. Low this mood. All of this is temporary. It feels like it's not, but it is. And I even find myself having to tell myself that when I am having anxiety in my pregnancy, when I am thinking about things that I'm like, this is very scary. And I should have, like, these thoughts are really hard for me. And I remind myself, like, this is temporary. And, you know, we do learn. We, we can, you know we start to develop strategies. We start to create toolboxes for ourselves. We get into some kind of routine. We start to learn our baby better. We learn ourselves better. Um, And I think that's such an important point, Nikki. Like this is temporary and we will learn and we will expand. Um, But it's, again, having the space and the support to do that, right? It's on, and it's going. Like I just, last night I was thinking like, one of my main things I constantly say to myself in business and in motherhood is like this too shall pass. And it uh, is like just reoccurring though, because then all of a sudden, you know, like you said, they go through a sleep regression and in the moment it's the worst thing in the world and you're sleep deprived and all these things and trying to keep that perspective. And last night I was thinking to myself, I'm like, I've got to remind myself, especially when I have the twins, like daily, like this too shall pass. It's a moment in time. Um, but when you're in it, it's really hard to navigate that, especially like you said, if you don't have those resources around you, what can, um, pregnant women do? Is there anything that they can do to reduce their chances of postpartum depression and anxiety? Like you mentioned kind of the, the pre-work that could help. Is there anything else that we can be doing or is it simply like one in five and you may be that one, like, 
How's it, how's it work? I think there's ways to minimize your risks and there's ways to minimize the severity of symptoms. So you might be more prone to developing like more severe baby blues or, or postpartum depression. And if that happens really, you know, treating yourself with compassion and kindness and not adding to this feeling of a failed mom that I thought I did everything before and I still feel so bad. That's okay. Um, but, and, and knowing that sometimes it does just happen, but I do think there are ways to minimize the severity of it at least. Um, and being proactive is a huge part of that. Yeah. I'm a big fan, you know, of creating like a self-care toolbox, right. Or your coping strategy toolbox and starting to practice that in pregnancy. And I think even for myself, you know, anxiety and pregnancy can look different than your kind of typical, maybe normal. If you're somebody who has anxiety um, or even depression, it may present really differently in pregnancy. So starting to develop that toolbox for yourself. Maybe you're somebody who like walking wasn't helpful now, but now because there's like your body's changing and doing things that are weird and foreign to us, maybe it is moving your body. Okay. This is a helpful strategy for me. Doing deep breathing exercises, reading, um, stretching, whatever that is so that, you know, should symptoms present itself. Yeah. Should those symptoms present itself postpartum, you already have the skills to do that, but also um, your brain's able to register that better, right? The more that we practice coping strategies, the more that we engage with them, the quicker our brain is able to register, oh, this is really helpful for me. This is something that helps calm me down. This is something that I can use, right? But if we're only using these strategies when we're panicked, when we're in a moment of crisis, when we're feeling overwhelmed, it's going to take them longer to be useful because it's still foreign to us, right? So I say, you know, if you're somebody who finds meditation helpful, practice that every single day. If you're somebody who finds movement helpful, you know, you don't have to do like this 45 minute cardio, but do the bell maybe- method. Yeah, there you go, right? It's going on bell methods and look, okay, what's an exercise I can do today that's maybe going to take me five minutes, 10 minutes, or maybe it's I'm going to go for a long walk during my lunch or when I get home, whatever that is, and start practicing those daily, right? Yes, some people are more at risk. Sometimes things happen in the postpartum stage where we weren't anticipating, you know, life changes can impact postpartum mood disorders, right? There's people who were pregnant and did not anticipate a pandemic to happen. There's no rule book on how to manage that you become pregnant and you have baby and then maybe there's a significant loss in your family. You know, you were feeling prepared and then something happened that you didn't prepare for. Cause how do you prepare for something like that? So I think, you know, having that toolbox and just compassion and gentleness with yourself and reminding yourself, if you are feeling this way, it's scary and it's horrible and nobody wants to feel that way. Um, but it's normal. And it doesn't mean that you love your baby less. It doesn't mean that you aren't a good mom. It's something sometimes that's out of our control Mm -hmm. and it's scary, but you are still a really good mom and you're doing a really good job and you still love your baby and your baby still loves you. And I think sometimes that messaging can get so lost because we're so hard on ourselves as women, as mothers, and, and it can be a lot easier to feel guilty and feel shameful think a lot of people need to hear that. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. To remind myself that too some days. Yeah. I think it's really important that, you know, I think affirmations after birth that are really powerful that I am a good mom and this is temporary. I am doing a good job and this is temporary and, and have these statements in your back pocket. So when you are really struggling, you can say that to yourself 
And I think that's one thing that, you know, if, if partners or family members, or if you're listening to this and your friend just had a baby, call them, ask them how they are and listen, tell them they are doing a good job because chances are they have not heard that. And that's something that I think is such a, a shame for women is that you're going through this and you're trying, you feel like you're drowning. You're trying to keep your head above water and no one's there to say you're doing a good job. Yeah. They're there to tell you your baby's cute and they want to hold your baby. Or that your baby's, to tell you your baby's cold. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. You're not dressing it properly. How are they sleeping? Unsolicited advice is yeah. like, huge, yes, right? Like yeah. whatever worked for so-and-so 30 years ago should work for your kids. So. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And no one's going around saying, hey, you're doing a good job. And yeah. Moms need to hear that women. And it's hard. What you're doing is hard and you're still doing a good job. Yeah. Definitely. I'm excited for you guys going through this. And then, I mean, you must be excited for the additional knowledge that you'll gain now having experienced it yourself as well. Right. Yeah. I think, I think it'll really change, um, you know, how we see our roles and the work that we do. And, um, you know, there's, there's nothing that really beats life experience. And I think Kayla and I've always been incredibly empathetic and supportive of our patients, but I think having gone through this now and, you know, going through the delivery process and being a mom, um, is really going to change our perspective and our outlook and, and how we support patients and engage with them. So I think that as social workers, it'll, it'll really change things for us, but I think in a really good way. And I think, you know, I've already learned so much in my pregnancy too. You know, I, I know the medical side of pregnancy. I know medical complications. I know that like in and inside and out and yet getting pregnant myself, there were things that came up that I thought nobody told me this. Nobody told me this is a symptom of pregnancy or that this could happen. Like, you know, congest nasal congestion and um, everything I've learned from Nikki and, and the Bell Methods course with the diastasis recti and oh my you gosh, know, the coding it was so it's scary like, when I saw that. Oh, Nobody's feedback. It's not. Don't fear it. It's just feedback. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Breathe it but out. But it's just interesting that you know you read these things like things no one told you in pregnancy, and there is so much more to it. And and I know that once baby's here, Melissa and I will probably have such a deeper understanding to what the people we work with and, and do counseling with are actually going through. Well, we'll do a follow-up. Yes. <laughs> I was going to say, like, just yeah, write them all down. Like, so you're like, how are you doing? And we're going to yeah. all be on the, all be on a call together crying, but we're okay. We're good. Uh, just write them all down. Like, Cause we'll do an episode on all the things that uh, yeah. we are talking about is that's exactly, exactly yeah. why we exist is to try yeah get all that information out there because Absolutely. yeah, it's, I, and every, everyone's different in how they, you know, all of the symptoms and things that come along with pregnancy and postpartum. Um, but yeah, just the other day I was puking and, um, peeing yeah. my pants at the same time. And thankfully yeah. Nikki told me that's totally normal. So yeah. well, <laughs> yeah. well no, you, no, let me, let's clarify more. You were like, <laughs> I'm puking. And I texted you. I'm like, also peeing question mark. And you were like, how'd you know? I'm like, cause I know you and you've already had this issue before. What a relief. What a relief. So yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, there's, there's lots more I'm sure. Um, and when, especially as you get really close to, uh, going into labor, your body starts doing some funky things. Yes. 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 Exactly. Even now sometimes I'm like, there's already been so many changes. How is there supposed to be more? Right. And and it's exciting and it's foreign and it's scary, but I think it'll be, um, 
like I said, an incredible experience. And it would be, I would love to be able to come back and be like, this is where we're at. And this is how things are. And here's a list of all the things I've been told and all the unsolicited advice we've been provided. And it's good, but we're okay. This is even harder than we thought it was. And we validated for others how hard it is. It's really hard. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's, yeah. I think it'll, yeah, it'll, I'm sure it'll add great value to, uh, you guys sound like you're amazing in your jobs already and such incredible support systems for, uh, women. And, uh, I'm sure it'll just add to that, uh, after you have your little ones, which is so exciting. This has been great. Nikki, any final, um, questions or thoughts you want to add in? I just think you mentioned a really good resource in the Zoom that we did, like the PowerPoint Zoom, and you mentioned Postpartum International. Postpartum Support International, yes. So I think that that is a great place to start if you're somebody who is, you know, wondering about, you know, is this postpartum depression? What are some symptoms? What are some supports? Postpartum Support International is fantastic. They offer a lot of free resources. Um, They do have some groups as well that are at a pretty low cost. Um, They also have a helpline, and, and I haven't really been able to find a helpline outside of postpartum support international that is specific to postpartum and pretty much open to everybody. Um, and I do like that. Mm -hmm. They also offer a line that's in Spanish as well. So there is, um, some also like diversity to that as well, which I think is great. And so I do think that is a really good place to kind of even start, or even if you are pregnant or even have somebody in your life who is pregnant or postpartum, and you want to know how to better support them, that is a great place to begin your search. Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. This is great. Any final thoughts or that you want to leave everyone with before? before I think, we end? you know, listening to this podcast is a great, if you're, if you're listening to this and you're pregnant or you're newly postpartum, this is a great starting point to kind of get those wheels turning on, you know, what can I do to help myself to make this journey into motherhood a little bit easier? So, you know, keep listening, keep doing the work that, that speaks volumes. And it, if you're doing this work, it tells me how much you care about your pregnancy and your baby and that, that you are a good mom and, and you're doing everything you can already. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just reminding people who are listening to be gentle with themselves and be patient and remind yourself that you are doing a good job. And if you haven't heard that since you've had baby or throughout your pregnancy or today or this week, just remember you are doing a really good job and you're doing a hard job and to be patient and kind to yourself because you deserve it. Amazing. Thank you so much. And we'll include like yes. the links to the those resources in the show notes. Um, we appreciate you coming on. Amazing. Thank, Thank you so you. much for having us. Good luck, Lexi, as well throughout your Good luck to you guys. Thank I'm you. super Thank excited you. for you. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode. And in the meantime, follow us on Instagram at WeGoTherePodcast and check out WeGoTherePodcast.com for more info.